I'm so glad you're here today. This is our second installment in our series entitled Strong and Courageous. And uh, it's, this is a series, it's based on the, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We're kind of doing a survey. We're hitting a number of great stories from the book of Joshua that really inspire us because I want to be strong and courageous in my faith. Today, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline of a, the person we're talking about today is a very unlikely hero. Somebody showed great courage and great strength, a woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute, a pagan prostitute. And yet she has prominent, she's as prominent in the Bible as any woman is. And you'll see why today, because she showed great faith. So all these stories are selected because they remind us that God wants us to be strong and courageous. And she is a prime example of somebody that you and I would think, you got to be kidding me. But the Bible includes her because when we study her story, it can encourage us, if God can use her, well, maybe he can use me. And he can. Now, if you want to understand the setting, to get us in the right, to picture the right frame of mind here, why Rahab was in a position to be used, um, I was thinking about, how do I set this up so we get the urgency across her? kind of the situation that was going on in Rahab's life. And the the Lord reminded me of something I hadn't thought of in years. Uh, When I was in college, I spent the summers working at a Christian camp in Missouri, and they had a ropes course there where if you've never been on a ropes course, it's it's way up in the trees where you have these rope bridges you have to climb across, you have to climb these rope ladders, and it helps you face your fears of heights and all kinds of different fears way up in the trees. And you have people at different stops that'll chain you into these harnesses to make sure you don't fall and all this. And at this particular camp, the last step to get down from way up in the trees, you were 35 feet up in the air, and there was a rope swing that you'd be harnessed into, double carabiners and all this to make sure you wouldn't, couldn't fall and all this. And you'd be harnessed into this, and you had to step off this platform, and you'd swing out and swing back and after you came to stop, they'd roll a platform under you, and then you, that's how you got down. And so uh, one of the greatest things to be was the counselor who's at that last step putting people in the harness because there's a little platform they'd have to step out on. And when they'd step out on this platform, you'd hook them in the harness, and the rope was measured just long enough so that they were like this by the time you were done. And then you told them, well, this is the way down. You can go whenever you're ready. And they go, I don't want to go. <laughs> They go, yeah, I know. That's the only way down. I don't want to go. You can stay there as long as you want. And they go, I, I, I can't hold this very much longer. Good. <laughs> and eventually, they'd take the step off. And even though they'd been terrified, it was so exhilarating. And they would laugh out loud. They'd go, that was awesome. And it was this Christian athletic camp where so you have people from all over the place. You even have these big football players from Oklahoma and Texas, linebackers, strong guys, and they'd be out there just crying like babies going, please don't make me do it, please don't make me do it. And there'd be this little cheerleader that'd come up there and she'd just swing right out. Woohoo! Of course, when the linebackers got down, they'd go, oh, that was awesome. I wasn't afraid at all. It's like, you are lying. Okay, that was the whole thing. But what was so interesting was, is that over and over again, when you talk to people, it brought them to a point of decision. It was such a great teaching tool as a Christian camp that there are times in our lives when God requires us to step out on faith, and he puts us in a position where we need to make a decision. A decision is to go. Now. 
So the story of Rahab is a story of a decision. And she was ready. God's going to bring us to points of decision in our lives. Every single one of us. Some of you are here today, and you're even going, I can't believe he's talking about this. But I want you to know, God brought you here today. Some of the rest of us, God's going to use us to inspire us to pray for some people in our lives who are at the point of decision. They need to step off the platform. They need to trust him now. And they need to do it today. And we need to pray for them. Will you pray with me right now? Let's ask God to show us whatever we need. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. I thank you for this amazing story in the Old Testament, the story of Rahab. She was a woman at the point of decision, and she made the leap. And I pray, Lord, you will use her example, as unlikely a hero as she is, that you'd use her example to inspire me to trust you more. Please move me out of the way. Say whatever you want said to us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Inside your outline, point one, Joshua sent two spies into Jericho to scout it out before the Israelites entered the promised land. If you weren't here with us last week, Joshua 1, this is Joshua 2 here. Joshua 1 opens up with uh, the children of Israel have been traveling through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses led them out of Egypt, led them that whole 40-year period. Moses died just before they were to enter the promised land. His successor was a man named Joshua, who had been Moses' aide. Last week, if you get online, you can watch the message how God prepared Joshua thoroughly for this task. Now he's in charge, and before they go into the promised land, before they cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land, where there's going to be battles that they're going to face, um, he sends some spies in, especially to the city of Jericho. It was a big fortified city, a big walled city. Then Joshua, this is Joshua 2, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove, and he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially Jericho. So the two men set out, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who've come into your house, for they've come here to spy out the whole land. Well, Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yeah, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they came from or where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she'd laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Now, it's important to note here, Rahab had probably hidden men in her house before and had probably lied before. And I'm going into all this detail because I want you to understand how unlikely a hero she is. Rahab's a sinful woman. She is. But God's about to change her whole life and do something amazing through her. That's what gives us so much hope. The Bible tells us over and over again that God loves the world so much that he sent his own son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave up his own son for you and me. God loves to help sinners get away from sin. Jericho was a wicked place. They offered their children, burned them alive in sacrifices. 
did all kinds of wicked things. And God's judgment was coming upon them. And of all the people in Jericho who recognized this and knew this, the person you would think, well, who would that be? A prostitute named Rahab. That's the next note. That's why God providentially guided the spies to her house. Because God knew what was going on in her heart. He knew her heart was ready for change. You and I would not pick her. We would not. Hey, who's the person most likely to say, I want to go God's way? Well, let's, how about that woman named Rahab, the prostitute? Yeah, not her. I mean, when these guys came to her house, she knew where to hide these guys. She'd probably hidden men on the roof before. I mean, when wives came looking, city officials were there, she would probably had to hide them. And she had to make up a lie and make it up quick. She was experienced. And all kinds of sin. So why would God choose to lead the spies to her house? Because her heart was ready. Now before the spies went to sleep that night, this is how we know that, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. Look, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Here's a pagan lion prostitute. And you know what she says? She says this amazing statement of faith in the Lord. Can we read it together, please? For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. God had prepared her heart, the most unlikely person you'd ever think. And that's why the spies wound up at her house. She was ready to turn to the Lord. She was ready to abandon everything. Because she trusted in God's power and God's mercy to save her from destruction with the rest of the city. And you think about this. That's exactly what's going on. There's a life application for you and me. Do you know that there are sinful, hurting people all around us who are ready to turn to God for help? And if in the margin you would write the word, now, today, God may have already providentially led you to have the office cubicle right next to theirs, to sit at the desk next to them at school, to live down the street from them on the street where you live. God has providentially led you into a relationship with these people, and God has primed their heart, and they are ready today to turn from their life of sin and turn to him. How do I know that? Because it happened in the days of Jesus, in the days of John the Baptist. Jesus was confronted by religious leaders and Jesus just shook his head at them. They said Jesus wasn't teaching things the right way and he was hanging out with the wrong people. Listen to what Jesus said to them. I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and prostitutes, this is Jesus speaking, are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John, that's John the Baptist, came to show you the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. 
And even after you saw this, you still didn't repent and believe him. That's Jesus. John the Baptist didn't shortcut anything. When tax collectors who were notorious thieves and prostitutes, who were prostitutes, came to John the Baptist, he said, repent. Repent of your sins and come to God and he'll, he'll take away all your sin and shame. And then he would dip him in the river. That's why he was John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. To baptize means to dip or to dunk. He'd dunk him and he'd say, there's a picture on the outside of what's happening on the inside. All your sins are washing down the river now because you've given your heart to Jesus. Never go back. And they flocked to him because they wanted hope. They wanted to know that God really loves them and God forgives sin. And John the Baptist proclaimed it. And the people who came were the filthy, rotten sinners who had been, been fed up with sin. They tried what this world had to offer. And they were sick of it. It was ruining them. And they came to God and gave their whole heart to him. And Jesus said, that's, why, that's what God wants. And did you know there's people around us like that all the time? And yet sometimes some of us who have known the truth for years, we're, we're saying, well, they would never listen. I mean, why would a prostitute like Rahab be ready? Because she believed in God. She had seen the wickedness of her people. She'd experienced all the cruelty probably a society can pour out. If you live in a wicked culture and you're on the margin of that, she probably knew exactly how cruel and wicked the people of Jericho were. And she knew God's judgment was coming. And she recognized when the spies came, this is my ticket out. And I'm taking it. I was thinking about times in my life, too, when um, in my job, I get asked by family members, by friends, to go talk with people they know, because they go, I feel like somebody needs to talk to them about Jesus, but I don't know if I'll say the right words. Will you come with me, or will you go talk to them? And kind of like the bookend example of somebody who is just, they didn't realize how ready somebody was. This might make you actually incredulous, but I went to meet with a family. They asked me to come to their house and talk to a relative of theirs who was dying. It was a woman in the family who was, she was on hospice care, only had like a month to live. And we sat in the kitchen for a while, so well, what do you want me to talk about? And I said, well, we want you to talk about spiritual things. She had a hard life and all this stuff. And, and um, you know, and I said, well, okay, but is she ready to die? Well, that's just it. We've never talked to her about spiritual things. We just don't know if this is the time. I said, well, I mean, how long are you going to wait? Let's go now. I don't know if she's open to spiritual things. She's not going anywhere. Let's find out. So we prayed together. I walked in there. I said, can I, you know, I pulled up a chair and I said, look, you're here on hospice care. You know you don't have long to live. Can I talk with you about eternity? Are you ready to meet the Lord? She goes, oh, thank God. You want to talk to me? I don't understand it. My family won't talk to me. I don't, I don't have all these questions. I don't know what to do. And her family's going, oh my goodness, I can't believe she wants to talk about dying just because she's going to die. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this friend of mine wants a new life, even though he's been burning out on drugs and he's seen how it's ruined his marriage and it's cost him his job and his relationship with his kids. I can't believe he's ready for a turn. I can't believe this person who's been working 85 hours a week trying to make all this money, has all this stuff, but doesn't have a family anymore, has no social life because all he does is work. I can't believe he's ready to turn the corner and submit to Jesus. Who knew? My friends, there are people all around us, tax collectors and sinners, 
John the Baptist was a hellfire and brimstone preacher, and they flocked to him. Not because he was selling soft soap, because he was speaking straight truth and he told them of God's forgiveness. There's new life. There's forgiveness of sins. There is hope. And guys, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can tell people there is new life through Jesus. There is forgiveness of sins. There is the hope of eternal life. We don't have to be afraid of dying. We don't have to be afraid of God's wrath. We don't have to be afraid of judgment day. We can have a brand new life right now. Yeah. And Rahab reminds us of that. God led the spies to her house. The one woman in all of Jericho who knew exactly how wicked life could be and how much she needed the Lord. The most unlikely person. I wouldn't have picked her. I doubt you would have either. But the story goes on. Rahab says, this is point two, if you open your outline, Rahab's faith in God led her to help the two spies escape and, and, and make them swear to protect her family. She realized judgment was coming. She realized that the God of the Hebrews was the real God, and he was merciful to them, and he helped them. Maybe he would help her too. Maybe he would even help her family. Now, when we talk about faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. She was certain that judgment was coming. Her hope was sure that the God of the Hebrews was the real God. The God of the Hebrews loved his people and was merciful to them. She'd heard of this, and she wanted in. That's why she is celebrated in the Bible. She was a woman of faith. It's why in this series on strong and courageous, her faith was strong, and it made her courageous enough to turn the king's men away. Man. So the conversation is still going on on the rooftop. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some kind of guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. Now notice, she doesn't have a husband herself. She's a prostitute. She doesn't have any kids. But here's this woman who trusts in God and cares for her family, even though probably nobody cared for her. Amazing. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into a town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men who are searching for you. And then when they've returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, look, we'll be bound by the oath that we've taken for you only if you follow these instructions. One, when we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, two, your father and mother, brothers, all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out in the street when the battle's going on and are killed, it won't be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on them inside this house, we'll accept the responsibility for their death. Three, if you betray us, we're not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. She sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Life application for you and me, genuine faith always leads to action. Always. 
She truly believed judgment was coming. She truly believed in the power and mercy of the Hebrew God. She truly believed that these men could help her find a way to God and get mercy and protection for her and her family. And she accepted the terms. Even if it meant abandoning her people, abandoning every part of her life as she had known it, she was ready. She was at the edge. She was ready to step off. I'm going. Because faith always leads to action. I was up there on that platform. The people had to believe that the rope, which was big enough to hang a tractor from, was strong enough to hold them. We had demonstrated it for them. They'd seen all kinds of people swing down, but they had to step themselves. It was Rahab's turn to take the leap, and she was ready. James talks about this. In fact, James talks about her in the New Testament. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. She believed. She believed that the God of the Hebrews was the maker of heaven and earth. She believed that he was merciful and kind to his people. And she believed if she helped his people that he'd help her too. And she said, I'm taking it. I'm jumping. That's why this is a story of decision. It's a story of faith. It's a story of strength and courage. And it can be my story and your story too. What's God calling you and me to do? Some of us might be at the place today where he's got us at the edge of the platform saying, you need to surrender your life to me. You've run long enough. Take the leap. Some of us, he's calling us to take a step deeper, to step out in leadership, maybe to lead a small group, maybe to go back to school and get a degree. Maybe he's calling you now to share your faith with a friend and to be praying for him because they're at that place. He's providentially led you to him. He's teed it up for you. Time to go. Take the leap. Rahab was ready. Faith always leads to action. Genuine faith always leads to action. Can we say that together, please? Genuine faith always leads to action. One more time. Genuine faith always leads to action. The opposite would also be true. Talk is cheap. Point A, Rahab's faith saved her and her family from the destruction that was certain to come. That was part of her faith. God's judgment was coming. It was coming on her whole city, on Jericho. She had to get out of there. Hebrews 11 talks about this. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute, same woman, New Testament this time again, not just James, also Hebrews. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She made her choice, and we'll talk about this later. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about how Jericho fell, and we'll revisit this again. But you need to know 
The despised made good. She kept the scarlet robe, I mean the scarlet uh, rope in the window. They protect she and her family were inside the house, and they were protected. But the reason they were saved because of her faith, and her faith led to actions. That's the same truth for you and me. Faith in Jesus saves us from God's wrath that is certain to come. John the Baptist warned people that God's judgment was coming. He said, the axe is at the root of the tree. Repent of your sins. That message hasn't changed today. The judgment of God is coming. There will be a judgment day. When the whole world will be judged for our sins. But the good news is, for those of us who come to Christ, the good news is, the message of Christ is that Jesus Christ came into this world not just to teach us good stories and do miracles of healing and other things, but to also show us his great love by paying the penalty for our sins in full. So that all who come to him, our sins are completely forgiven. Our record is wiped clean so that we stand before God one day. We don't have to be afraid of his wrath. We don't have to be afraid of the judgment that's to come. In fact, that's the good news we can tell anybody. Come to Christ. You'll find salvation. Come to Jesus. He loves you. He'll make you new. You don't have to fear his wrath. Well, how do I come? I come as I am and I say, God, clean me up. You are kind and merciful and all-powerful. You can change me from the inside out. You can make me new. I give my life to you today. That's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2. He said, look, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But our faith will always lead to action, and the action is a surrender of our lives to him. Some of you, like I said, that's where you are today. I'm here. I know I need to do this. My life's a mess. I have been driving it the wrong way for decades, and I'm tired of it. I'm coming to Jesus. As I was preparing this outline, another story came to mind I hadn't thought of in years. first ministry that I was a part of was a ministry to high school kids called Young Life. It was an outreach ministry, and so we worked with kids who were far from God. It was a young man who had gotten into all kinds of drugs, and he got involved with our ministry because his parents were so concerned about him. And uh, he went to a summer camp with us, a Young Life camp. And during that week at that camp, he surrendered his life to Jesus. And it was amazing the transformation that happened in just a few days in this young man's life. Went from being angry and depressed and all these things to being a whole different kid. Came home, his parents were rejoicing. They were going, this is amazing. And I was with him just a few days after we got back, and there was this moment in his life where his old friends came in. I mean, where the picture of what was happening in Rahab's life was exemplified in his life where his friends came over to his house and his old druggy friends, they said, hey, you want to go out with us? And I was in his house at the time when these friends knocked on the door and they came in the living room, hey, we're going to go out and they were going to go out and do drugs. They said, you, you want to come with us? And this young man looked at me and looked at them and said, no, I've got new friends now. I'm going a different way. I mean, he'd made the leap. See, there were Two kingdoms that knocked at Rahab's door that night. The first knock came from the spies. They represented the kingdom of God on the other side of the Jordan River. There was hope and life. 
and power on that, in that kingdom, the other kingdom that came knocking were the representatives of the king of Jericho, and they said, bring these, people, bring these men out. We're going to kill them. There was enslavement and death and no future there. And that young man that I was talking about, two kingdoms knocked at his door <laughs> right there. The kingdom of this world, and he'd just come from a camp where Jesus had been standing knocking at the door of his heart, and who was he going to let in? That's your life and my life. Many times over, we're going to have to decide not just about salvation, but where we surrender. Am I going to take the leap and trust in Jesus? Because two kingdoms knock at our door, too. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And who am I going to honor? Rahab said, I'm going God's way. No turning back. Point B, here's what's fun. Rahab's faith actually ended up strengthening the faith of the two spies. Rahab's faith, the faith of the lying pagan prostitute, strengthened their faith. How do I know? Because the rest of the story, the rest of the chapter tells us. Well, the spies went up into the hill country, just like she'd recommended, and stayed there three days. Then the men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. When the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Guess who they're quoting there? Oh, yeah, Rahab. <laughs> I highlighted all this. These are the words that Rahab said. The lion pagan prostitute. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Joshua goes, wow, how do you know that? Well, there was this lying prostitute who told us that. What? No, God providentially led us to her house. You're not going to believe this, Joshua. Mm. Here's a note. Rahab simply believed the promises of God that the previous generation of Israelites did not. Again, if you weren't with us last week, Joshua was one of two men who actually walked into the promised land, even though it had been promised to the people to enter the land 40 years earlier. Because Joshua was one of the two people that actually believed when they had gotten to the border of the land 40 years earlier that God would go in front of them and fight the battles. He'd actually believed it. The rest of the people had not. They'd sent spies into the land then too, and they had noticed Jericho with its big walls, and they'd noticed all kinds of tall and imposing people. And they said, the cities are huge and well fortified. The people are too big. We're all going to get massacred in there. Our children are all going to die. And God said, well, if you're so worried about your children, then you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and your children are the ones who will go in. They'll believe in me. And they did. But Rahab believed a promise that God had shared with the people 40 years earlier. Listen to Exodus 23, 27. The people should have known that would happen. Before they ever got to the border the first time, here's what God had told them. I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose land you invade. I'll make your enemies turn and run from you. That was a promise from God that they just wouldn't cash. It was a check they wouldn't cash. I skipped over this in that when we read it before that Rahab said that they had defeated Sion and Og. You can just write in the margin Deuteronomy 3.11. Og 
was the king, one of the kingdoms that they had defeated on the other side of the Jordan. Og was such a huge guy, they said his bed was 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. That's two king-sized beds stitched together for one guy. And he had the name of Og. Og. Yeah. That guy who slept on a 13-foot-long bed that was 6 feet wide, he ran from them. Because the Lord put fear in his heart. Rahab understood that and she just believed. Will you and I just believe? And trust God and what he calls us to do? Life application. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and rewards those who sincerely seek him. And by the way, isn't it interesting that the faith of Rahab encouraged the spies? If you're ever wondering if God can use you in ministry, John, you don't know my past. God can't use me to help anybody. He used Rahab. He used Rahab. That's why they mention her in the New Testament. She's a role model for us. Last point, God rewarded Rahab's faith by bringing her into his own family and taking away her shame. In case you're wondering what happened after she was rescued, well, she came to live among the Israelites, and she ended up marrying a guy named Salmon. And according to Jewish tradition, Rahab was one of the four most beautiful people in the whole Bible. Ruth, who's mentioned this, was, was another one, but they said she was stunningly beautiful. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the mother of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. And then you skip down a number of generations. The genealogy goes on. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who's called the Messiah. I'm reading from Matthew 1. You know that chapter we never read because it says so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and go, okay, somebody has to go to seminary to figure this out. I don't know. Well, that's in that chapter. And Matthew, we've been a tax collector one of the people that Jesus said, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will come to me, but the religious, self-righteous people won't. Matthew, the tax collector, said, oh, we're writing her name in the list. Because tax collectors like me and prostitutes like her, God brought them into the family. If this is good news for anybody today, will you say amen? amen. This is why you don't quit praying for your brother or your cousin or your sister or your daughter or people far from Jesus. Don't quit praying. Today may be the day of salvation. God may be working on them in ways you don't know. They might be right here just hoping you'll give them a call. You may have come here today and you're going, oh, I need to hear this message for me. In just a minute, we'll give you a chance to respond. But make no mistake, this is a message of decision. I love strapping people in because when they made that decision to leap, they were about to experience something exhilarating. And God loves strapping you and me into a point of decision too because if we're going to take the leap, our faith is going to grow and it's going to be fun. So last decision here, the last point. Live application, God rewards our faith in Christ Jesus by adopting us into his own family and taking away our shame. Do you know when you come to Christ, our past no longer matters? We're made brand new. 
Do you know that when we come to Christ, our past no, matter, no longer matters and we're made brand new? Do you know that when we come to Christ, our past no longer matters and we're made brand new? How many times do I got to say it before everybody says amen? I just, I, I mean, <laughs> good night, folks. That's why it's called good news. Rahab got a whole new identity. Mm. So do you and I. Paul said it in Romans 8. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Can you say those three words to me, please? We are God's children. I guess that was four words. Can we say that? We are God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So here's the way we're going to wrap up our service today. In front of the windows here, some of you folks grab those chairs in front of the windows, so we might need to put some other chairs out there. So uh, if we can get some of the, we'll grab some chairs over here if you need some, but you can, um, you can do this. Yeah, if we can grab a few more chairs and put them over there. The idea is this, we, want to, we put those chairs over here and we face them out toward the audience because we want you to use them kind of like a kneeling bench. Why? Well, maybe there's somebody in your family who's just like Rahab and you've been praying for a long time that they'd come to Jesus. Well, now this is a good time to pray for them. Maybe you are where Rahab was and it's time for you to surrender. Well, you come pray. Maybe you just want to come to the Lord and say, God, I've got a big decision in front of me. You are asking me to step out on faith and I need to take the leap. Whatever you need to surrender, a loved one, your own soul, a big decision, whatever it is, we want you to come and pray. Just kneel. By the way, this stage will work too if there aren't enough chairs. You can come right up here. Yeah, it works. It's the right height. You can pray right here. But we're gonna, Nick's going to lead us in a worship song. I want you to sing. And if there's somebody you need to pray for, if there's something you need to surrender, then why don't you use this as an altar prayer time? Shelly, you'll be available to pray with people, won't you? You guys ready? Mark and Tina, you guys ready to pray? Two of our deacons over here. I'll be here. Debbie, will you stand over there with Shelly? She'd be willing to pray too. We'd love to pray with you if you want to pray with somebody about something. Let's stand now. Come to the Lord. If he's drawn you to pray, you come pray right now.